Would you please stand for the reading of the scripture? We're in Matthew 22, verses 36 through 40. Teacher, which command in the law is the greatest? And he said to them, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important command. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets depend on these two commands. Let's pray. Father God, we just come to you right now asking for your presence to be in this place. God, teach us to learn to love you with all of our heart, all of our soul, and all of our mind. And then go out and share that with those that we come in contact with this week. We love you. Thank you for loving us first. And we pray these things in your name. Amen. You may be seated. So we find ourselves this morning smack dab in the middle of our annual vision series. Each year, right around October, kind of prior to the the 2020 budget season that's coming up and everything that comes with that, prior to the the swirling of the holidays that that is about to uh, come upon us, we take a few weeks just to just to press reset, to kind of um, remind ourselves, recalibrate ourselves to who we are as a church, who we are as a faith community. More importantly, who we are as Christ followers. What that means, the direction that we're going, how that is to manifest itself in our life and in our community. This year, we, we've chosen this passage that Jesus just read for us in Matthew 22 kind of as, a, as our foundational passage as we, as we begin to remind ourselves of our vision, as we begin to unpack this idea of what it means to live a whole life the whole way, to love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our mind, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. First week, we kind of spent some time unpacking that and seeing how, how loving God with all of our heart, soul, and mind invariably results in loving our neighbors as ourselves, what it means to love a neighbor, what it means to be a neighbor. Last week, Travis preached on what it, what it means to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, reminding us that in the ancient Near Eastern cultures, the, the heart was not only the seat of emotions, but it was the seat of actions. It was kind of the core of our being. Travis pointed us towards John 14, where Jesus reminds his followers that the true test of their love for him was obedience. If you love me, do as I command. This week, we get to talk about what it looks like to love the Lord our God with all of our soul. How do you even define what, uh, what a soul is? Uh, how do you separate it from, from heart, the thing that Travis talked about so much last week? Um, the, the soul is that, that thing that 
ties us all together, the thing that ties the heart to the mind, the thing that makes us human, that eternal quality. We see that from the very beginning in the scriptures uh, there at creation. Genesis chapter 2 verse 7, we see God creating the physical body of Adam out of the dust, but Adam does not become a living being until God breathes the breath of life into him. Till God breathes the eternal soul into that physical body. Solomon, Ecclesiastes 12, talks about that, that physical body. Eventually, it will return to the earth. Eventually, it will return to dust. But the eternal soul returns to its eternal creator, God. We even see Jesus. Matthew 10, verse 28, reminding his followers, don't be afraid of men. Man can only kill your physical body. He cannot kill your eternal soul. The soul is that thing that not only makes us alive, but makes us human. It is the all-encompassing eternal quality of being created in the image of God. As we're looking this morning as what it looks like to, at what it looks like to, to love the Lord our God with all of our soul, I thought maybe the best thing to do is, is look at how Jesus uses that word soul. How does Jesus treat the soul? So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to bounce around a little bit, but I am going to keep us in the gospel of Matthew. If you've got your Bibles open, you see that passage in Matthew 22 that Gina read for us this morning uh, in your pew Bibles. I think it's um, page 8. 87-ish, if I remember correctly, somewhere right in there. And, and as we bounce around, we're going to look at several different passages in Matthew. Some will be on the screen behind me, but I promise I'm not going to take you more than a few pages from where you are right now. The first place I want to take you is the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Jesus, as he is preaching the Sermon on the Mount, says, Therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Now that word life in Matthew chapter 6, it is literally the exact same word that's translated in Matthew 22 as soul. What Jesus is saying in this verse is your soul, isn't it more than physical stuff? Isn't it more than what you eat, what you drink, what you have, what you possess? Your soul is eternal. Now, flipping over to Matthew chapter 16, Looking at verse 26, Jesus says, For what will it benefit someone if he gains the whole world, yet loses his life? Again, that word translated as life is the exact same word Jesus uses. It's translated as soul in Matthew 22. Jesus talking to his followers, he says, What does it help you? 
to gain the whole world, all of the stuff here that you see that's temporary, and yet lose your eternal soul. Jesus recognizes and emphasizes the eternal qualities of our soul, that soul being the very imprint of our eternal heavenly Father in our lives. Now, jumping back to that, to that Matthew chapter 6 verse that we just looked at a second ago, there in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus kind of expands on this idea, the eternal versus the temporary in chapter 6. In this section of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is talking a lot about the relationship between God and possessions. Starting in verse 19, Jesus tells the, the gathered crowds there on uh, the hill in front of him. He says, don't store up your treasures here on earth because they're temporary, they'll all fade away, but store up your treasures in heaven. When he's talking about treasures, he's talking about those, those things that you desire, those things that you emphasize, those things that you hold dear, those things that you prioritize. Don't make them temporary things here on earth. Don't store those things up here, but, but store up your treasures in heaven. Now, this Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, it is not Jesus telling us to live foolishly. This is not a prohibition on work. This is not a prohibition on a savings account or a retirement account or a college fund. What Jesus is talking about is where our priorities, priorities are. In fact, there in verse 21, he, he makes sure it's clear. He says, for where your treasure is, those things that you hold dear, there your heart will be also. Now, those of you that were here last week that heard Travis preach on loving God with all of our heart, we remember that the, the heart, the seat of emotions and actions, kind of the engine of our obedience. Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, don't store up your treasures here, store them up in heaven. Because if you're emphasizing and prioritizing things here, these are the things you will obey. What you love is what you obey because Jesus recognizes we are all obedient to something. In fact, Jesus goes on in this passage to say, very specifically, we are all slaves to something. We as Americans do not like those words. We prize prioritize, place a premium on freedom and individuality. I'm the master of my own domain. That is not, in fact, the case. You have a master. That master might be your job. It might be your finances. It might be your relationships. It might be your pursuit of immediate happiness or satisfaction. There is something that is controlling your actions. In fact, in this passage in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus kind of has his mic drop moment there in verse 24. No one can serve two masters. That word serve literally translated, no one can be a slave to two masters. Because you will love one and hate the other. 
you will prioritize one and the other will fade into the background. If that wasn't clear enough, Jesus ends that thought by saying, you cannot serve both God and money. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, you cannot serve both God and money. Now that word money, it's not quite as narrow as we would think it to be today. The word that that was used there, it could be translated in a much broader sense, almost as stuff. You can't serve both God and stuff. Invariably, one will take precedent, one will fade to the background. And whichever one takes precedent, wherever your treasures lie, that's where your heart will be. That is the thing you will obey. Jesus recognizes that sometimes we get that out of whack. Our eternal soul focusing on temporary things. And so he goes on in this passage in these next verses to kind of unpack what that looks like. When we get our priorities out of whack, when our soul is seeking other things, the problem that results from that, the problem that results from when our heart is in the wrong place because we have convinced ourselves that the wrong thing will satiate us, the wrong thing will satisfy us. These temporary things we're chasing after, be it, be it uh, financial gain, be it the bigger house, be it the retirement fund, once I make my first million, once my marriage is perfect, once my family is perfect, once I have a girlfriend or a boyfriend, that's the thing. Once I get that, everything's going to be okay. Now, hear me say that. Hear me say this. None of those things are bad. None of those things are bad, but it's when those things become our master that our soul gets out of balance. And what happens, he talks in this passage about how we become overcome with worry and anxiety. Jesus gives two illustrations in this passage, the birds of the air, the flowers and grass of the field. The idea he presents is... If God takes care of the birds and the grass, how much more so does he desire to take care of you? This individual that he intentionally and uniquely knit together and breathed an eternal soul into in his own image. There is not one thing that worrying is going to help you. Worrying about the stuff. Now, again, this is not a prohibition on work. The birds of the air, they spend all day long flitting around, building their nest, building their shelter, feeding themselves. They don't just sit on a limb and sing. They do things. What they don't do is worry. What they don't do is think, oh my gosh, if I don't find that perfect twig for this nest, then my life is ruined because it's that twig that's going to make me whole. The grass of the field does not worry that it will be thrown into the furnace the next day. It just basks in the glory and beauty and colorful majesty that God has given it that day. 
The issue is not don't work. The issue is not don't seek a healthy marriage or healthy relationships. The issue is where our heart is. As a matter of fact, Jesus gives us a hint there in verse 30. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more for you? And then what does he call us? You of little faith. You see, the issue is faithfulness. Do we trust the sovereignty of God? Do we trust the God of the universe that tells us he will take care of us? Or do we trust our own strength and our own efforts to fill that void in our life? When that's where our treasure is, it results in worry, anxiety, fear, discontent. Does anyone feel that this morning? All symptoms of an eternal soul prioritizing temporary stuff. The good news is here in this passage, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus gives us the solution. Very simple. Verse 33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided to you. Well, there you go. All we have to do is seek first the kingdom, seek first eternal things, and then we're golden, right? We're not going to worry anymore. We're not going to have any more anxiety. Um, You know, our our next meal is just going to magically appear. I mean, there are those of you in the pews right now thinking, Hannah, that's, that's all well and good. And I've read these verses and I've sang the song, but I have no idea how to put that into practice in my actual real life because that's where I live. I live in real life, not some sort of Bible fantasy world. Well, good news. This is real life. This is not some sort of fantasy world, and Jesus recognizes that. So he goes on to give us a little more meat, a little more practical application of what this might look like. Flip over with me just a couple of pages. Matthew chapter 10. They're starting in verse 37. The one who loves a father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. The one who loves a son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever doesn't take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Anyone who finds his life, again, that word life is soul. Anyone who finds his soul will lose it. Anyone who loses his soul because of me will find it. Well, there you go. It's just that simple. All you have to do is not love your parents more than Jesus. Not love your kids more than Jesus. Don't let those things become idols. Take up your cross and follow him. So that's kind of a thing. Uh, It sounds weird to us in 2019. It would have been crystal clear to those that were listening 2,000 years ago. You see the Roman government at the time still used crucifixion as a very common form of executing prisoners. When they hear, take up your cross they would have immediately understood that to mean don't love your family more than me, don't idolize your relationships, and willingly be ready to walk towards your torture and execution. 
voluntarily take up your cross, voluntarily give up everything in your physical life up to and including your physical life itself and follow in my footsteps. And whoever finds his soul will lose it. Anyone who loses his soul because of me will find it. In parallel passages, other places in Matthew, in Mark, and in Luke, that word find is translated often as as save or love. My my favorite kind of explanation translation for, for this passage is whoever grasps at self, spends their life grasping at their own desires will lose their eternal soul, but whoever denies self because of me will find their eternal soul. Clear? Clear as mud, right? All right, I got one more passage for you. And this time you may not even have to turn the page. Next chapter to your right, Matthew 11. We're going to read verses 28 29 and 30. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take up my yoke and learn from me, because I am lowly and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened. That, that, that come to me, it's a command. It's an imperative. It's not a suggestion. And here's something that's super cool. So that word, Come, come to me. It is the exact same root word that Jesus uses in Matthew chapter 10, Matthew chapter 16, that's translated, follow me. Take up your cross and follow me. Come to me. That's what he's telling his followers. He's saying, when you do that, when you seek first eternal things, when you seek first me, when you seek first eternal righteousness, When you come to me, I will give you rest. Now remember, Jesus was speaking this into a very troubled time, very troubled culture. Those that were listening to him at the moment were living in occupied territory. The Roman government was there. There was always a little uncertainty as to what tomorrow would hold. On top of that, they lived in an agrarian society in the middle of a desert. They had to work physically every single day planting seeds, reaping a harvest just to survive, just to feed their families, yet they were still subject to the whims of the weather and the season as to whether or not they would have enough. They were physically exhausted, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually burdened. 
And Jesus says, all of you who are weary and burdened, come to me and I will give you rest. All of you burdened by work. All of you burdened by worry. All of you burdened by stress and anxiety and relationships. All of you burdened by your pursuit of the physical things that are right in front of you. All of you that are running on fumes, come to me and I will give you rest. This morning, if you feel stressed, if you feel exhausted, if you feel anxious, if you feel lost, if you feel alone, this is an inclusive invitation. Come to Jesus and he will give you rest. Take my yoke, learn from me. That yoke, the the thing that, that... bound two animals together as they worked in the fields. One setting the rhythm and the pace. Jesus says, come to me, take my yoke. I will work with you side by side. I'll set the rhythm. I'll set the pace. My yoke is easy. My burden is light so that you can become who my Father designed you to be, so that you can stop and be who you are, fully loved, fully accepted, so that you can find rest for your souls. The rest he's talking about is not the rest I got last week on fall break. RV trip. Not incredibly restful. Fun. Not incredibly restful. The rest he is talking about is not the rest of a long weekend. It's not a rest of a day on the lake kind of getting away from real life. It's not a massage that works out the kinks and knots in your neck and in your shoulders. It's not a two-hour Sunday afternoon nap. It is a deep internal relief for the very burden that our eternal souls are carrying. Jesus knows, understands, recognizes that our physical stress, our physical exhaustion, they're simply symptoms. Symptoms of a much greater issue. They are symptoms of a lost and exhausted soul trying to find rest and looking in all the wrong places. Jesus says, I am that place. Seek me first. Take up your cross and follow me. Come to me. And the result is a deep soul rest that we all seek. Love the Lord your God with all of your soul. Set aside the temporary things of this world and seek Him first. That's what it means. Seek eternal things first so that everything else fades into the background. Here's the thing. 
I can't love like that out of my own capacity, out of my own strength, or out of my own efforts. I just can't. But what I can do is immerse myself in his love for me. When, when I begin to embrace the truth that God doesn't love me because of my performance, I am not loved because I am good. God doesn't love me because I am lovely. God loves me because He is lovely. In fact, He is love itself. When I embrace that truth, I am free to be fully immersed in that love, immersed to the point of drowning in it, immersed to the point that it is the only thing in the world to me, immersed in it to the point that everything else fades into the background. That is what it looks like. To seek first the kingdom of God. It's what it looks like to follow Jesus. It's what it looks like to come to him and find rest. When I am fully immersed in the perfect, all-consuming, all-encompassing love of God, that love can begin to grow out of me. That is when I am free to love my neighbor as myself. Out of that love that consumes me. Out of that love that I am immersed in. Out of loving God with all of my soul and the rest that that provides. Love God. Love people. Immersing ourselves in His love is when we become free of the chains of stuff. Free to focus on things that are eternal. Love that's not yoked to the temporary things of this world. It's not yoked to fleeting satisfaction. Love that's not subject to the ebbs and flows of life. Love that's not bound even by physical life and death, love that brings soul rest. That rest is available this morning. All that we need to do is begin to reconcile our eternal soul with its eternal creator. Would you pray with me? Lord, it's my confession this morning that despite your amazing presence in every corner of this place, in every corner of this community, in every corner of my life, I so often default to being a slave to the temporary things of this world. Remind me this morning of what it looks like to love you with all of my soul, with that eternal quality 
that encompasses everything that is me. With the breath of life, the imprint of you, let me love you with that. Come to you, Jesus, so that I might find a rest, a peace that passes all human understanding. We pray all of these things in your name. Amen.